Uh, I'm one of those women who I just have a hard time relating to other women. And it's not for that internalized misogyny reason. Like, I have a legit reason. The thing is, if your name is also the name of a song, or features heavily in a song, then when I'm talking to you, I'm only thinking about that song. <laughs> and like, every woman's name has a song named after it. I'm not gonna name them, you know, there's a million of them. Um, and so like, I just can't form bonds with people because every time they talk to me, they try to open up to me and just like, the song is playing in my head. Like, perfect example, I was at work and this coworker was trying to open up to me. She was telling me some like, deep personal shit about her marriage. And I just couldn't bond with her because her name is Blinded by the Light. <laughs> Get your cards out! I couldn't bond with her because her name was Camptown Races. I couldn't bond with her because her name was the Icelandic National Anthem. <laughs> <laughs> Actor, writer, and comedian Kathy Herbert shoots on River West Park, Winnipeg. And what's this guy doing up here in Manitoba? Manitoba. 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 It's the Manitoba Money Shot Podcast with me, Ronald George Moore, 2118. I know, right? And why were humans afraid of mice? A mouse is so small and tiny. I would never be scared of a living organism. Eventually, it'll die. Ha, 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 ha. Yikes. How embarrassing. From 2075, that's me. Performing at Rumor's Funniest Robot with a day job. I must have caught a virus earlier that day. Whatever. Don't judge me. Luckily, the winner of that competition, Kathy Herbert 3000, is today's guest. Mention Robin's Donuts here. Subscribe to the Manitoba Money Shot podcast on iTunes and Stitcher, and follow us on Twitbook. And now hold on to your batteries. It's Kathy Herbert 3000. He's so good looking, it makes me sick. Right now we're going to take a look at the charts on top of the pops from 40 down to number 11 like this. We are rolling. Yay. Clap, clap, clap. How are you? I can neither confirm nor deny my current existential status. Fantastic. Congratulations on finishing your universe comedy tour. Do you have a favorite planet that you performed at? That one. No, that one. Or maybe that one. Yep, that one. Ha ha hilarious Kathy Herbert 3000. I mean, I think if you're going to choose a place to die, then Mars is probably, you know... LOL. Excellent impression of President Musk. I agree Mars is a real shithole. Okay, this one's a little bit punny. What's the best method to find out how heavy your red hot chili pepper is? Give it away, give it away, give it away now. It's 2118, and here we are, floating in space. And everything's so cool. 
I'm just kidding. It's 2018, boring old 2018. Got a great show for you, Kathy Herbert. Yeah, the real non-robotic version is uh, coming up soon. We talked about the Winnipeg Fringe. We talked about theater and comedy. Her partner, Dan Robertson, who she collaborates with, another excellent comedian in the city. We also say Duff, which refers to John B. Duff. Uh, who's uh, the godfather of stand-up in Winnipeg, if not the world. He's that old. Just kidding. And we also mentioned Tim, who is Tim Gray, uh, a fifth of Hunk's sketch comedy troupe and the the uh, organizer, producer of uh, We Johnny's Comedy. He's great as well. Also, if you want to listen to the show on SoundCloud, I think I just figured out that you actually have to sign up to listen to it for free, you have to fill out, your, put your information on there, and you probably don't want to do that, I guess, but uh, go if you have an iPhone, go to podcast, search the Mental Money Shop podcast, subscribe, do the same thing, but with Stitcher, that's cool, with the kids and the podcasts and that kind of stuff. Anyway, Kathy Herbert, a lot of fun, she's fucking hilarious. We're rolling! Yay, Kathy Herbert in the house at Crap Central. This is Crap Central. Oh. What, do you, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, you got. I mean, Crap as a term of endearment. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, this yeah, is definitely yeah. Crap Central. So glad that you were able to come down and be a part of uh, the podcast, Kathy. Thank you very much. I've known you a few years now. Yeah, yeah. I have to, to say, here. we uh, are acquaintances. Acquaintances um, on the comedy scene. You're, you do stand up comedy. You also do sketch comedy. I do. You do President Bear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I saw you at the Fringe uh, this year, last year, last. Last year. Last year. Yeah, 2017. When you saw the President Bear show, did you stay for Schrodinger's Cat? Oh, what, what's that? That was the other play I did that year. In the same oh, venue. In the same venue? Yeah. I did not see oh, it. Oh, man, that was that was a good one. I mean, oh. President Bear was good, too, but like Schrodinger's Cat was super fun. Yeah, and I got to, uh, I what was it, it about? It was, um, uh, my partner Dan wrote it. And it was about uh, like science fiction and quantum physics. And there's this company that will sell you a tattoo that's invisible ink. And yeah. if you're going to die within the next year, the tattoo will like appear. And then you can like make changes to your life uh, until the tattoo disappears again. And then you know you're not going to die. Right, right. And you directed that show. I did. I directed that show and I was the voice of the quantum computer from the booth. Okay. Yeah, it was so cool. We had so many props. It was rad. Like Dan loves building props. He played the main character and he built all the props and it was just like LEDs everywhere. And like we had this big plastic cube with LEDs in it. And I actually had a little uh, joystick up in the booth where I could like make the lights go on and off in the cube and then yeah. simultaneously speak into a microphone. <laughs> and, like, That's cool. And then this cat that was like, it was like dead and alive at the same time. So this was one of those, um, those kids toys. They're called for real friends. Oh, like, I, my daughter has one. Yeah. F U R real friends. Right. He had it in the like sleeping position. So it looked super dead and like super stiff cause it's a robot. And then I had a little control stick up in the booth that he had like finagled himself so that I could like turn the power switch on at just the right moment. So the cat would come to life, Right. Wow. which was rad because like the character who has the cat is talking to the other character and you know, the, the main character is like, this guy's crazy. He thinks his cat's alive. And then mm -hmm. suddenly the cat like gets up like the Terminator, like, and every single time we did that, the audience would be like, <gasps> like, oh, it's right. just like really rad. Uh, so let's uh, let's let's take her back. Let's go back in time. Let's go back. No, I'm not. Gonna do that. <laughs> let's <laughs> go back in time. We're talking. Uh, you were born in Winnipeg, yes. Manitoba, all my life, uh, in the West End. No, 
In Charleswood. What part of Charleswood? Whereabouts? Um, very far, uh, River West Park, like right on the perimeter. Like, oh yeah, you could see the perimeter from my house. So, like, what is that? Barker and Dale and yes, stuff like there. How do you know Barker? Well, because I used to deliver in that area. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So I'm very familiar with the uh, Charleswood. Barker is a t- is a small little boulevard. It's not that's, but I guess it intersects with Roblin. So yeah, 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 yeah. So you're going to that Seven Eleven out there? Oh my God, that's Seven <laughs> Eleven. Can I tell you how excited I am for the Spice Girls reunion? Sure. I mean, and it has to do with that 7-Eleven because the Spice Girls are getting back together. And back in the 90s, they sold this chewing gum that was awful, but it came with stickers. Yeah. It was like a pud, like Funny's Pud, but instead of a comic wrapped around it, it was stickers. And we would go to that 7-Eleven, the gum were 10 cents a piece, and we would just buy like $20, $25 worth of gum. Like we would save our allowances, we would take our birthday money, we would go to that 7-Eleven, and we would just be like, I would like 200 Spice Girls gums, please. And And we'd take them back to my, uh, sometimes we would just sit in front of the 7-Eleven just like shelling them like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory looking for the golden ticket. Except exactly. We were, we were looking for the one sticker that we didn't have to like complete the set. Right. Of course. Yeah. Of course. So yeah, yeah. But that uh, was, my, that's my childhood memories going to. But that's to, cool. Yeah, yeah. Going to that set. Getting, you were into the Spice Girls. Uh, what other kind of things were you into as a kid? Like, oh, uh, you know how kids are and you're into like this thing one day and that thing another comic day. Books? Yeah. I know. I never really got into comic like, books. Even like Archie or Casper the I Friendly Ghost. I read some Harvey stuff. Here is my kind of sad comic book story. Okay. <laughs> so I used to get like when I was a little, little, little kid, we'd go to McKnight's, which was the drugstore in the little strip mall. By the 7-Eleven. Okay. And uh, I don't know. We'd, I would get a comic. Just my dad would be like, hey, do you want a comic? And I'd be like, yeah, sure. And I'd usually get a Harvey comic, a Casper or a Hot Stuff or something like hot that. Hot Stuff. Yeah. Beauty. Hot Stuff, the little devil. Yeah. Yeah. And they all uh, look the same. Like Casper looked the same as Hot Stuff. Like the, the same, same style. Yeah. 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 You know who I loved, though? I loved Spooky. He was like a little, like a little rough and tumble little guy. Like he had short man syndrome. <laughs> right. <laughs> he was always, he was always rolling up his non-existent sleeves the way cartoon <laughs> characters do. But still a ghost. Yeah, still a ghost. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. What was the sad? Oh, I think okay. I'm... So I remember I was getting a little bit older. I was like maybe eleven years old, and I was like, you know what? It's time I put these baby comics away. From now on, I'm gonna read superhero comics because I had seen, you know, <clears throat> the Batman movies and the Superman movies, and I was like, yeah, I should probably read these these real comics and be a big kid now. Yeah, yeah. And um, I was like, well, I know that these big kid comics, they have like, you got to buy the issue every month so that you can follow the story. It's not exactly. just like Casper where yeah. it's like wrap it up on every issue, you know? So I was like, well, I obviously can't afford to buy all these, so I will choose who I'm going to read. And I was like, okay, I will read Spider-Man. And I bought my first issue of Spider-Man, and the very next month, McKnight stopped selling comics. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, no access. I, yeah. You never thought about maybe going to Comic World or all the I don't think I cared fair. that much. It was just like, if buying comics is a thing I do when I go to McKnight's, then I'll buy a big kid comic now. But it wasn't like I cared so much about comics that I was going to go seek them out. In Charleswood, were you uh, uh, riding your bike around? Was yeah. there any particular hidden spots or places that you'd oh, like man. to go to? Like, did you have a treehouse at all? Uh, I never had a treehouse. I always wanted to build a treehouse. I thought that would be so cool. But, like, it was a small neighborhood. Like, if you tried to have anything secret, it would get found. But, right. um, but like, we, we, I was pretty lucky to live. I mean, the suburbs have their uh, social issues and their problems, you know. But as a child, just from kind of that bubble experience, mm-hmm. there's definitely just, like, there's definitely some some great things about growing up in the suburbs, and one of them was that there's just, like, trees everywhere. Yeah. There's just parks everywhere. There's so much nature. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, the schoolyard where I went to school, there was this big, like, we called it the forest. It was probably maybe three or four acres of uh, 
of woods. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it wasn't huge, but we would go in there and it was like, you were exploring and there were like stories about the ghost that lived in there. And then sometimes it was like a hermit that lived in there in this, like it's, it was the size of like five backyards. Like it wasn't huge, but like, yeah, there's a hermit that lives in there and he has dogs. I went, this one kid went in pretty far and he found a shack and like, Oh, but, and of course, you know, you get older and you finally like go through the whole woods and you see everything. And I learned that what kids were calling the shack was like, the frame of an old mattress <laughs> that I'm assuming <laughs> some teenagers stuck. had probably dragged there to have sex on. <laughs> oh, God. So uh, did you stay in Charleswood? Mm, I think I moved out when I was 21. Yeah. Yeah. Moved out mean like downtown? Yeah, I moved downtown. Got uh, I was in university and I was going to UW, so I was like, well, instead of busing for like an hour and a half every day or what would usually happen, which was I would be late, so I would have to like drive yeah. And then park and then pay for that. I was like, why don't I just live a block away from school? Um, whereabouts uh, did you live uh, um, by the U of W? Oh, uh, Young Street. Yeah, but I loved my first apartment because it was like a bachelor pad, but it also had this little hallway, so it didn't feel like a bachelor pad. Like, I was still sleeping in the living room, but the the bathroom was like separate. It wasn't like, it wasn't like I could see my bathroom from my bed, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. for sure. And I it was mean, like an old, like it was one of those apartments they built after World War One for like the boys to come home to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you went to UW. Uh, did you know what you wanted to do with your life at that point? Or you were just kind of like, mm, yeah, I'll just take some classes and see where that leads you me. You know what? I only went to university because it's what you do. And in retrospect, I don't think I would have gone. Really? Because it was just a lot of money. I had a student loan. Um, I only just paid it off like a couple of years ago. Wow. Yeah. And so I just took theater cause I was like, I know that it's not, you know, a viable career choice and it's like a stupid thing to invest in, but like, it's the only thing I'm even vaguely interested in studying. Yeah. So I might as well take it. Um, just because you have to go to university, right? If you don't, it's like, oh no. And in retrospect, what I wish I had done was just taken the classes at university that I liked, that I wanted to take, mm-hmm. and not bothered with getting the degree. Because to get the degree, you have to take a bunch of classes that you don't want to take. I really love my theater classes that I took. I'm glad I took them. Yeah. But I had to take, like, earth science as well, which was a waste of my time because it was just everything I learned in grade 8. It was literally grade 8 science over again. Well, you must have felt like uh, a genius. Oh, yeah. I felt really <laughs> smart. But I also yeah. felt like I was wasting my money and my time. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and so you did get your degree? I did. I got a theater degree with honors. And it, what, that's four years? It's a four-year degree, but I took five years to get it right. because of all the electives. So that means you're uh, in the final year, you're doing a play, right? What kind of, do you remember what you did? Like what um, characters or what We did plays? a play called Better Living, mm-hmm. where I had to play a priest, like a man, because they couldn't find a play that had the right like gender ratio for the class. Okay. So, and the, the people who owned the rights to the play were like, no, you can't change that character a woman. It has to be a man. So I played a man and it was actually pretty fun. Like learning how to kind of like move my body in such a way and like trying to lower my voice in a way that didn't sound totally fake. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I actually got pretty good. I can't do it anymore. I've, I lost it, but I kind of like trained my voice for like months leading up to that show. And mm-hmm. like, I gotta say it felt like pretty like naturally deep, which was neat. Right, um, right. Yeah, and I actually took me a few months to get back out of it afterwards. Really? That sounds yeah. cool. So you were just kind of keeping the voice just off like the stage it, too? I can't <laughs> remember how I did it, but it was just a lot of like deep breathing and like laying on the floor, you know, to right. like, you know, get your diaphragm doing whatever it has to do. So there was that. And then I did um, a devised theater piece for my fourth year. And I also did um, another play called uh, Picnic. It's a very famous Famous play. They made a movie of that. Yeah, it sounds familiar, but I'm not. I don't know what it's. It has about a famous actor in it. I forget her name. It has two famous actors. Their names, but it was made. It was in the 50s, and it was about like 
you can't just call women pretty. You got to, they got to do things too. <laughs> I mean, in a nutshell, that's what it was about this pretty girl. And everyone was like, you're so pretty. You're, this is what your life is going to be because you're pretty. And she was like, no, I want to do things though. And it was yeah. about that. I didn't play her. I played the old lady next door. <laughs> oh, <laughs> playing old is fun. I like mm-hmm. playing uh, elderly folks. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice. Did you, uh, get involved or interested in maybe doing like uh, other, like outside the school, like doing plays at Rainbow Stage or MTC, mm, PTE, yeah, I, I, audition for that I stuff? I was or? in a play in Christie Fest a couple years ago. Um, okay. In the Master Play Arts Festival, they did Agatha Christie. Uh, and I was in a play, I was in a play in that a couple yeah. years ago. Uh, That's cool. Called The Hollow, Murder Mystery. And I think being in theater got me into comedy too. I'd always kind of been interested in comedy like when I was a kid, but it wasn't until I was in theater school um, that some other friend of mine was like, Hey, I went to this open mic and I was like, Oh, you can just do that. Like, I didn't even know there were open mics. I was like, where are the open mics? You never and heard of open mics? Well, before? I mean, I knew I'd heard of open mics. I didn't know there were any in Winnipeg. And uh, I think at the God. time there was like one and it was the cavern. Right. And I yeah. Went. Yeah. Exactly. There wasn't <laughs> and then, really And so anymore. I got into it from via that. And I think, you know, performing in the one way made it easier to just perform as a comedian as well. Right. And then from there I got into like improv and sketch yeah. And, Let's yeah. talk about the, earlier you were saying as a kid you were you like comedy. What, what exactly uh, were you watching, were you listening to, were you enjoying? Cartoons. I was watching cartoons. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't really, I would watch like Just for Laughs when it would come on TV, but I didn't really care all that much. I would just, but I knew that I wanted to do comedy. Right. And I liked the idea of doing stand-up comedy. Um, well, what I, cartoons were you, were you talking Freakazoid. about? Freakazoid. Oh, Freakazoid. Yeah, Freakazoid. Yeah, I loved one. Animaniacs, like that kind of oh, three-year like golden age of Warner Brothers when like Steven Spielberg was producing all of these cartoon shows that had all these jokes for grownups in them. Yeah. That I And as a kid, I was like, I know that's funny, but I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So many like references. It might have been the beginning of reference humor. Mm-hmm. References that I didn't get. Like, So you're, you're part of the Saturday morning cartoon, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, Generation, generation, yeah, yeah kind yeah. of the tail end of that, I think. Yeah, like the the night. Although I was always a late sleeper, even as a kid, so I I often missed the best cartoons. <laughs> you didn't I set up the VCR to tape it. Come I on. couldn't. That thing. Come on, man. I can't set that thing. I can record that if I'm there to press record. I still don't know how to set a VCR timer. <laughs> Nobody yeah. does. Uh, it's hard to trust. It's yeah. hard to trust that it's actually going to work if you set it up. Speaking <laughs> of the 90s and comedy, have you tried to set your VCR timer? I mean, I mean come geez, on. <laughs> you might as well just get your wife to do it. <laughs> so uh, you were you saw that there was stand-up comedy, but you weren't really watching it or too interested in the comedians of that day. No, but I was like, but I wanted to do it. Actually, the first thing that I ever actually watched that I thought was cool um, was a show called Dr. Cat's Professional Therapist. Oh, man. One yeah. of my favorite cartoons of all time. I can still watch them and just love it. I've been rediscovering it on YouTube recently. And again, it's funny because at the time I was like, I didn't care who any of these people are. Yeah. But now I'm watching it and I'm like, oh, that's Andy Kindler. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, neat. Like, Yeah. Oh, there's Mark <coughs> Maron. There's uh, yeah. uh, Rita Rudner. There's just... Mm-hmm. just- Filled with comedians. Yeah. And well, that was the whole point. It was a vehicle for people's stand-up. And I realized, like, I, because I was a late night TV watching kid. So I would watch, like, Saturday Night Live. And then I would watch the rerun of Saturday Night Live. Wow. So then at three in the morning, then, like, all the other late night crap would come on. Oh, when you say rerun, <laughs> the same show, just no, you'd watch it. No, they oh, would, di- they would on Global, they would always play Saturday Night Live at midnight. Yeah. Because I didn't have cable, so I watched it on Global. And then they would play, like, a rerun of, like, a 10-year-old or a 20-year-old episode. Oh, I got and it. And then they would play, like, Viva Variety. Viva Variety. You remember yeah, Viva I Variety? I love that yeah, show, too. Who, like, yeah. I think those people are all in Reno 911. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And their original <clears throat> sketch troupe was called... I don't know, because oh, I don't... God damn. It's, uh... The... 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 the <laughs> 
I don't know. I <laughs> It'll just know come to me. I'll, I'm going to blur it out yeah. at some point. I just know we have a variety. And then Dr. Katz would come on at like five or four in the morning. <laughs> the state. There you go. Sorry. The state? Yeah. Sure. Okay. Do you remember uh, the first time you saw someone doing stand-up comedy? Would it have been at an open mic, perhaps? Oh, no. It would have been on, like, TV. Right, on TV. But I mean live. I mean live, live, the first time you saw, like, live stand-up. Yeah, I don't think I went to a... Like, I never bought tickets to a stand-up show. Because, again, I didn't care who anybody was. I would say that I had influences, but I didn't have heroes. Yeah. And I don't really keep track of who my influences were. Like, I would rather just... I would rather just let whatever influenced me influence me, let it come out and not really question where it came from. So I'm mm-hmm. sure, you know, if you wanted to do a biography on me, somebody else could figure out who my influences were. <laughs> I don't know who they were. I know that I like kids in the hall. I don't know if I would say that they influenced me. Right. Okay. Yeah. And I know that I, you know, I liked Saturday Night Live. Again, don't know if it would influence me. For um, sure. Yeah. But what's I'm sure that? I did. Like, I'm not trying to say, like, I'm some kind of, oh, I just channel the muses. Like, I have no influences because I don't need... Like, I'm sure I have influences. I'm just not interested in, like, tracking that genealogy. Okay. Yeah. Okay, we won't go there. But, but no, well, I mean... But you're a fan of comedy from yeah, an early I think age. So. And I think, yeah, the first time I saw a person do stand-up probably was at... You know what? The first open mic I went to was actually the Rumors Monthly open mic that they used to have. They had one? Yeah. It I was, did that not was, know that. That was the first one that I heard about. Who My was friend, the host? I don't even remember. I just know it was probably just... You know, it was probably some rumors host. It was probably uh, Kevin. Wait, maybe I'm getting the name wrong. But anyway, I went there to see this friend of mine who I was in, like, second year university with because she was going to go do open mic. Mm-hmm. So I went there to see her perform. So I guess she was the first person I saw. Is she still around? Um, another person I lost. To, I mean, she was just a university friend, so it's like, yeah. who are you? Go She's away. giving me a shot, whatever. Yeah. Wasn't known oh, as yeah, a comedian. Oh, yeah, she's not still around as, no, no, I haven't seen her. In, like, I saw her do that, and then I think she did the funniest person with a day job competition, and I haven't seen her since. Yeah. So I don't know. Have you done that competition? I did that competition once, just because there was no other place to do stand-up. It was like the rumors competition or the ca- the, care, uh, the cavern. Right. So you went to the open mic, but you didn't, you didn't necessarily do that monthly open mic at Rumors. I went there to watch her, and then I think I did one. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then after that, I think they stopped having theirs. But I think I met Duff. Oh, you know what it was? I took a workshop. I think I had gone to the um, to the open mic, and then like I heard about a stand-up comedy workshop. Mm-hmm. So I went there, and I met Duff at that. He was taking it, too. Um, and I think I met Tim Gray at that. Holy. Yeah, yeah. I think it was Tim, because I can't remember, because I'm so bad at remembering, and, like, I wasn't friends with these people yet, so I didn't bother to remember their names or faces. Like, right. I would get to kind of know them later. But I want to say it was Tim Gray, and a him and I, me and this guy, who I think was Tim Gray, it was either Tim or somebody who I've never seen since. Right, but I remember I right. met those two at that open mic, and we were all just kind of doing material for each other and workshopping it, which I would later learn is basically what any open mic is, because mm-hmm. it's mostly comedians in the crowd. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then shortly after that, the King's Head Nights started up, which mm-hmm. was like, I think, a really great like jumping off point for the city to kind of have its renaissance of comedy. Yeah. And yeah. even at that time, wasn't uh, Cavern happening every the Sunday? The Cavern was happening then, or, yeah. I heard it was Wednesday, Wednesday first, for a while. Yeah. And then it moved to Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As well as the Tuesday King's Head. Tuesday at the King's Head. Comedy night. And nowadays, we don't have the King's Head anymore, but we have every Wednesday at Wee Johnny's and like... Pretty much just everything at Wee Johnny's. It's all it's all Wee Johnny's now. It's great. Yeah, that's They're pretty like much a comedy, a comedy venue. Yeah, it's kind of like the comedy bar of Winnipeg, really. Mm-hmm. And there was like a, an article about them last year when somebody got mad because Tim decided to put in like a no harassment policy, and so yeah. some news news thing ran with it with like oh comedy clubs like you know the whole comedy clubs and freedom of speech and harassment policies and 
you know, snowflakes. Yeah, contra- conflict of interest yeah, type po- thing. Oh, we're going to censor your, yeah. your uh, yeah. what you want to say they if it's not it what we want to hear. Political correctness angle. Mm-hmm. And I remember that article referred to We Johnny's as a comedy club. Which it's not. It's a bar where right. we do a lot of comedy. So I thought it was pretty cool that, well, first of all, the person who wrote that like anti-PC article obviously didn't do their research, but also like they called it a comedy club. And I was like, maybe it is. Pretty cool. Yeah, it is pretty cool to think that we have like a second comedy club. Yeah. And that's all Tim Gray. <laughs> yeah, it's all Tim Gray. Tim Gray, which is funny, the, yeah. like your first meeting of him way back when and he, how he's brought, uh, uh, I don't know, kind of established a comedy bar in, uh, yeah. in the city. Yeah. And I ho- hope it only grows. Do you repeat a lot of stuff? Like, do you have routines? Mm, not really. I'm not very organized. Like, I should uh, probably be more organized. I just had a show where I, like, I'll just write stuff down as it comes to me. And then when I'm like, oh, I need to put a set together, I'll go through it and, like, try to work it out before the show. But I actually just did a show recently that was an hour of untested material. Oh, yeah. I want to talk about Sorry. <laughs> I'm very proud of it, so I would like to talk about it. An Hour of Untested Material Mm -hmm. is the name of the show. It was An Hour of Untested Material with Kathy Herbert, and that was because I was working all summer at my job, and I couldn't really have time to go to open mics or test anything, so I would just, like, write everything down, and I gave myself a deadline. I booked the date with Tim, and I was like, okay, now I gotta have this show ready by October or whatever it was, Mm -hmm. 13th, I think. And you kept the promise. None of it was ever done in front of an audience. None of it had been done in front... I think a few of them I had maybe put on Twitter, so... Sorry, I still you can't you can't judge likes it or whatever. What's good on the internet is not always good on stage, Uh, (laughs) and vice versa. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so and I just made myself that deadline so that I would have to do it, and then I did it, and it was great. It actually came out. I was speaking a little fast because I was a little excited, so it came out to about fifty minutes. Yeah. But like. It, it all went it went over a lot better than I thought it would. Well, I was like, great. okay, hopefully if I do an hour, I'll get like 20 usable minutes out of it. But I would say just about everything I said, every joke I told on that show was like good enough to do again. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'm pretty proud of that. Now, are um, you one to record your sets and go over it like uh, after the crowd goes home? I record my sets and then I don't go over it. I always say I'm going to go over it and then I don't. Right. <laughs> um, I don't know if that's just because I hate listening to the sound of my own voice or... Mm-hmm. Or I'm just too lazy to do the work. Probably I'm too lazy to do the work. <laughs> right. But, but I did, yeah, I did that untested thing. And so now I have like an hour that I could just use, which is great. And I've never really tried cool. it before, you know? Yeah. Are you yeah. one to like, yeah, like kind of throw away, I've done that joke too much. Yeah, I don't need to do it anymore. That's gone. I think so, yeah. And I think I've actually lost a lot of good jokes that way because I don't really keep them organized in a file anywhere. Or mm-hmm. I, I go so long without telling them that I forget why it's funny. I forget how to deliver it. Yeah. You know, I forget what the point of it even was. So I've probably lost a lot of great jokes that way. I'm kind of hoping starting with that hour that I did to like kind of turn it around. Like I kept that, I kept, I like scripted that out. Yeah. And I think that's what made it successful too is, you know, instead of just going like, Oh, what did I think of this week? Okay. I'll work it out on stage. I worked it out before I went on stage and then I performed it, you know, mm-hmm. I right. did it. I treated it like the way you treat it when you do your first stand up and you're so excited about it, you know? Yeah. So I was like trying to go back to those roots. Very cool. Wrote a really great show and I think I'll do it again. I'm actually going to host a, an hour uh, or not an hour, like a show, a showcase show of untested material with six comics uh, in the new year on January 19th. Okay. So I'm going to encourage other people. So each one of the comics on that show is going to write 10 minutes. And that's the rules. It has to be untested, never before tried anywhere. That's kind of like uh, the uh, Handsome Daughter, right? Yeah. The, their new shit night has to be new. It cannot be performed before. From what I understand. At another ve- at their venue. It cannot have been performed at that venue. Yeah. And it's only five minutes. I wanted to do like longer 
I wanted to give people longer sets so that they could write longer jokes that they wouldn't have to worry about like rushing through before they get the light. And yeah, so I mm-hmm. just wanted to give, unfortunately I can only give the time to six comics. Otherwise we'd have a four hour show, True. but, uh, <laughs> how long have you been doing stand up? 10 years. Maybe 10 years. You got a whole decade going no, on. Probably 10 more year than, anniversary. No, wait, yeah, I guess 12 or 13. Cause I would have started in my second year of university when I was 20. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. Technically, since I was 20, but, you know, I've never been, like, super vocational about it. Like, I've never been like, this is my dream and I'm going to give it all I've got. Like, right. You know, I just, just gi- I give it what I've got when I feel like it. <laughs> <laughs> what else have you been doing in the 10 years? Like? Um, I've been acting. I've been, like, writing. Oh, God. I have, like, five unfinished novels that I'm very proud of. Wow. <laughs> why aren't they finished? Why, why can't uh, people read them? them. <laughs> really? You get to a point where you're just like, you got a new idea and you got to put that one on the shelf. Yeah, pretty much. You know what though? I did write a screenplay just for fun. No intention of trying to get it made. Making movies is an expensive business that requires a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But I wrote a screenplay just because I was like, I want to write a screenplay and know that I could do it. And I wrote like a full length screenplay, maybe a little short and I'm very proud of it. And you know, if, is it comedy? It's comedy. It's a mm-hmm. romantic comedy. Mm-hmm. And I, w- I mean, obviously, if like I won the lottery, yeah, sure, I would produce this movie. But can you tell us the title? Um, it's I'm called. Working. It's called On the Street Where You Live. It's a satirical romantic comedy, uh, making fun of the genre and all the problems with the genre of romantic comedy. Okay, yeah. sounds yeah. interesting. It's not a parody film. It's not like a scary movie type thing where it's like mm-hmm. here's a bunch of gags that make fun of the tropes. Right. It's like the the full plot follows the problem with rom-coms and the problem with rom-coms is that they very often showcase what is actually a quite abusive relationship or a toxic relationship as being super cute. (laughs) Really? Okay. (laughs) So many rom-coms like uh, what happens in Vegas. That's a rom-com about two people who hate each other. And then the judge makes them stay married. Oh yeah. I've never heard of that one. It's like they, they hate each other. They get, they get drunk. They meet in Vegas. They get drunk. They get married Mm -hmm. and then they hate each other. And then like, they're like doing horrible things to each other because they hate each other, but they have yeah. to share this apartment because of, you know, because it's a rom-com. And then eventually it's like, oh, but actually we were being shitty to each other because we actually really like each other. And it's like, <laughs> no, that's not how, <laughs> that's, not that's not how reality works. Like, so, so, and so many rom-coms, not all rom-coms, but so many rom-coms are like that. Mm-hmm. So I wrote this rom-com where like the characters fall in love, but they're all really fucked up people. And it's like, so there's a hitman. He's trying to kill this woman. But meanwhile, like she's in love with another guy who she witnessed murder his girlfriend. But okay. like, so like she's a stalker who falls in love with the hitman who's trying to kill her. Like he's literally trying to kill her, and she's like, "Oh my god, I love you." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and like she's not very good. good either. Like she's a crazy stalker too. Well, she must be crazy if yeah. this guy's trying to kill her, and she's <laughs> yeah. she's in love with him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That sounds cool. And I wrote a play for myself. I wrote a. a a one actor show that was again, like making fun of one actor shows. I like to do that. I like to make fun of genres. Cause I'm, I guess a little bit jaded about everything. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so I did a one actor show that I, I'm not opposed to reviving. I did it at the fringe and I might revive it. So what's the name of that show? It's called the unchosen one. Okay. So it's like, what year was that? Uh, it was the, this, the year before the first president bear show. So 2015. Okay. Yeah. And I'd like, that was about like, um, uh, so it was like an autobiographical one actor show, but it wasn't my auto autobiography. It was like the character that I made up and it was her autobiography. And the idea was it was like a fantasy thing. So she was like the chosen one from the legend in her own 
realm, which is not Earth. It was like, you know, she came through a magic portal and she came here. It doesn't but she's matter. a god? She's like an elf. An elf. And there was the story that was like, yeah, the chosen one and like the, the great evil's going to rise up and you're going to save us all from the great evil. But then like the great evil never came. Yeah. So she's just like <laughs> waiting, around. waiting around and like starting to feel this malaise. And like, it's kind of like that thing that one actor, sh- you know how a one actor show is always like, this is the story of my life mm-hmm. and it's very important. And then you get there and it's just like. Yeah, man, after college, I just didn't know what to do with myself. <laughs> and that's like, what it focuses on? Yeah, that. so it was kind of like that. It was about how she's just like, I don't even know what, I don't even, I'm supposed to be the chosen one, but I'm 22 years old and I don't know what to do. Like, So it was kind of yeah. like making, but I like one actor shows and I do appreciate it when people like tell their real raw story of their life and put it on stage. I do appreciate it, but I also kind of like to take the piss out of it a little bit too. Yeah, okay. You know? oh, I can see that. Yeah. What other shows have you been involved with at the Fringe? Mm. I think the first show I was ever in when I was still in my first year of university was called Out of My Head. That was the first Fringe show I ever did. It was like a half musical. I didn't sing. Was that cast, your cast in in that Yeah, I was cast in that. Oh, I was in a show called Distance Between Trees that was written by Harry Rintoul, Mm. the namesake of... His fest? There was a Rintoul fest in Winnipeg, wasn't Uh, there? Well, this was for the Fringe, but he... Like he's there's the the award that's named after him and he had passed away, but there was this play that he had like half written called mm-hmm. The Distance Between Trees, and uh, his wife like got this other playwright to like finish writing this unfinished play of Harry Rintel, like take his notes and like put it together into this play. So like I got to be in that, so that was like pretty cool. Wow, how was yeah. how was that received? Like um, that was that's a tough position yeah, to be in. Was, what pressure on well, that new writer? We kind of ended up because we weren't you know she wanted to really honor what. Harry was trying to do so she didn't want to like put in too much of her own stuff to like finish the story but it was a lot of like disjointed notes to work from so we ended up doing more of like a devised theater type thing like scenes with uh where you know you would be doing a lot of like chorus work and kind of repeating the same lines over and over again and and a lot of like character monologues but it was just like a general kind of portrait of uh of Manitoba during like pioneer times, like settler times and land breaking and, and the, you know, connections between nature and people. And yeah. Are you writing a novel currently? Uh, I'm currently about to start a novel, a new novel that I'm really going to finish this time for real, for real. It's on the record. Yeah. Yeah. But here's the thing. I've decided I'm going to write it as a TV show just for the sake of getting it done. Cause I realized all the things I've ever finished writing have been scripts. Okay. But the novels I never finish. So I'm going to write it as a script, as like a 10-episode TV show. Yeah. Then I'm going to go back and novelize each one of those episodes into a chapter of a book. Oh, okay. So I'm going to give myself an outline. And then the great part is all the scripts will already be written for when I pitch it as TV. <laughs> for sure, when you pitch it around all <laughs> For Hollywood. when I publish it and it's a bestseller, I can say like, oh, you want to make it into a TV show? Look what I got. Right, right. Yeah. That is awesome. Well, yeah, yeah. You. I want to see some more of your, uh, well, your, your shit out there. Now I've you told know? you, I'm going to do it. <laughs> now I also know you do, uh, you've done a lot of traveling in your life. You've gone to a lot of cool places. Yeah, I mean, I had a stint. You had a stint. Yeah, I had like a 10-month stint where I did a lot of traveling at once. I haven't really done much traveling since then. Oh, no? Really? Well, no, that's not true. Um, but you, you just went by yourself. Yeah, You kind of like did a walkabout. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's a moment in my life that I'm pretty proud of, too. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, what made you, what made uh, your decision to do that, to just kind of like, 
Where exactly did you go? I was 24. That was what my decision. I was 24. You're 24 <laughs> years old. You go backpacking across Europe. It's pretty basic. Right. Okay. <laughs> but uh, if I remember, weren't you on like a, a steamship? Am no, I wrong? A yacht. A, a sail, yacht. A sailboat. A sailboat. Yeah. This is why I'm proud of it. Because I was like, I want to go traveling, but I don't really have any money. And I don't know. I guess I was feeling like adventure. I was feeling a little bit pumped up on like romantic adventure books not romantic in the love sense but like romance you know romance like mm-hmm. uh, like pirates and adventure <laughs> pirates. Like, like high adventure you know that's that, sure. that sense of the word so i was like uh but i was like obviously i live in the modern world you can't just like go down to the train station and like get on a box car like it's not the same as it used to be but i thought well okay i'll you try still could do that technically <laughs> i guess but like it's not like you can just like ramble up to the you know, to the mill and be like, can I work for you for two days and then be on my way? Like, no, you have to like, you got to get your ticket, you know, your safety ticket and Mm -hmm. you got to have your CV and you have to have like three internet addresses. I don't know. It's like, it's not (laughs) the same world that it used to be, you know, you got to have a passport. So, um, but I was like, I'm going to try, I'm going to at least try to do the modern version of adventure. So I hitchhiked to Halifax, spent the summer in Halifax, put up a poster at the local yacht club saying, Hey, I'll work for you for free on your boat if you take me to Europe, like I'll just teach me what ropes to pull and I will pull them literally teach me the ropes and I will work for you for free. And I wasn't really, have have, have you heard of people doing this before? Not really. And I think I lucked out because I realized that not a lot of people do that. And I think a lot of people thought I was kind of crazy, but, um, there was this like millionaires luxury yacht that had been parked at this yacht club all summer. And Uh the owner of the yacht had already gone home to France, but the cook and the captain who were a married couple were like still with the yacht and they were going to like take it back to France for him. Mm-hmm. So they were like, we could use a third person to watch the radar. If you want to come on board, take a three hour radar shift every night. Just look at the radar, make sure we're not going to hit anything. Wow. We'll take you to Spain, which is where they were going to dock this boat. So, so I did. And yeah, I took a three hour shift. They cooked me gourmet food. I hung out on this luxury yacht, mm-hmm. like all. Did you happen to see anything on that radar? Uh, yeah, a few times. Mm-hmm. They, they just said, if you come within, you know, three miles, wake up the captain and he'll steer the boat. That's, that's it. It was right. a sailboat, but we, I think we only actually opened up the sails one time cause the wind wasn't great. So there was yeah. most of the time we were just using the motor power cause all sailboats have motors on them now. Um, but and it was, wasn't crazy choppy water. No, you're going it was over. calm. It was beautiful and calm. And like there were flying fish that would just oh, come sweet. up along us every, and a couple of porpoises we saw, but for the most part it was really calm. Um, How many days did it take? Two weeks. Yeah. Two weeks to travel. Two weeks to go across the Atlantic. Um, And earlier, actually, while I had been kind of waiting, because they hired me, but they were like, listen, we're not leaving till August. So you just got to kind of hang around Halifax. So in the meantime, I took like a a job for like a weekend on some fishing boat where these guys were like, we just need somebody to cook for us. Confidentially, I think they thought that I was some kind of like hippie free spirit girl who was going to fuck them all. And then I didn't. (laughs) Then Um, yeah, all right, you're fired. But that was actually, I mean, aside from the, like the fact that I realized, oh shit, I'm on this boat with these horny guys who like, I'm going to have to kill maybe. Luckily, I didn't have to kill them. Aside from that, it was actually really fun. So was it like you were going out for the day and coming back? Uh, We would go out for like three days and then come back, something like that. Um, But that one was really fun because we were chucking all these fish guts overboard. Like every time they were uh, spearfishing swordfish. Right. So every time they would get a swordfish, they would like gut it right away and like put it on ice under the hull and they would drop all the guts overboard and then so many dolphins. Just dolphins. There were seagulls and dolphins just like following the boat the whole time. We were just constantly just surrounded waiting, by dolphins. Yeah. And then there were these humpback whales. Well, I mean, they wouldn't come close to the boat, but you, I remember at one point I saw like 
four different humpback whales just kind of out towards the horizon and like two rainbows. At, with, <laughs> I swear to God, it was like two rainbows and four humpback whales and then like just a, an entourage of dolphins Amazing. all around this boat. Amazing. It felt pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But like, but then sailing on the sailboat was nice because they were like good, respectful people who cooked me gourmet food and then they paid me a thousand euro. So when I got to Europe, I had all this money to like continue Sweet. traveling with, and I continued hitchhiking across. You can yeah, make a thousand just hitchhiking euro across Europe. Yeah. You didn't Things get... are a lot more expensive there, but you can make a thousand euro last pretty long if you're like sleeping in the ditch. You slept in ditches. <laughs> yeah, I slept in ditches. I slept in caves. I slept in a Turkish prison. <laughs> I was not arrested. Right. Um, but I was like hitchhiking, and then I guess once the. <laughs> The farther away I got from, like, France and, like, Latin-based language countries, the harder it was to communicate with people. And mm-hmm. when I was in Turkey, I think these guys thought that I was in some kind of trouble. They're like, who's this girl traveling all alone, hitchhiking? Oh, no, yeah. she must be in trouble because we're all sexist. So how could a woman ever possibly decide to just go on an adventure on her own? Yeah, doesn't um, happen. Uh... And so this guy, like, took me to the police station, and I was like, and this cop was like, can I help you, like, in Turkish? And then he had a computer, so we used Google Translate. And that was when I learned that that guy just thought that the guy who was giving me the ride thought that I was in trouble and needed cops. Right. And I was like, oh, no, 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 I'm just hitchhiking. And then he was like, oh, well, it's, it's late now. I don't want to put you outside. So he let me sleep in the cell. So you, had, did you, have, you had your own cell, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's not going to put you like, in with a criminal. It was like the drunk tank. It was like the <laughs> right. like a little holding cell for like when someone's been arrested but hasn't gone to trial yet. And an upgrade <laughs> from the ditch, I imagine. Yeah, an upgrade from the yeah. ditch. I slept, I was on Cyprus and I slept in some caves that were like ocean carved caves, mm-hmm. just like these natural ocean caves. But like the tide didn't come into them because they were like millions of years old. I'm imagining they were like way up from the water. Yeah. They had, had originally been like ocean, ocean caves. So yeah, I did yeah. that and I like actually spent New Year's sleeping in this cave. Just spent wow. like three days just kind of sleeping. I went to bed on New Year's Eve. Yeah. Didn't stay up to midnight. Went to bed looking out at the sunset. Woke up watching the sunrise. Well, no, because it's. The sun was on the other side of the cave, yeah. but watching the sky get light. And this is what you wanted. This is why you went yeah, there. Yeah, that's what I wanted. Right? And like when I was in France, I, I met these people and I like, I worked on their farm for a few weeks or a month or so, like just cause it was like harvest time and they were like, yeah. we need, it's an organic farm so we can't use all these machines. So they had, they were hiring all these people to like dig up potatoes and. So and do you speak French? That. No, but yes. Like, I mean enough to get along mm-hmm. and then everybody in France speaks English anyway, so it's fine. It's interesting the languages you can pick up when you're traveling. <clears throat> like, I don't speak any Italian or Spanish, but when I was in Italy and Spain, it was like, oh, yeah, I recognize all these root words. Like, I recognize all these Latin roots that we have in English and that we yeah. have in French. So I was able to just, and between that and, like, making hand gestures and maybe sometimes scribbling <laughs> pictures in my book, I was like, I got along You got great. it done, yeah. I feel like if I had spent not even a year in France, I probably would have become fluent. Maybe. Maybe I'm chomping off a bit more than I can chew, but I feel like... In a year for sure. If I spent a year immersed in French, it all came back to me. Like everything I learned in school, just yeah. all that stuff that's just kind of around you in French because you live in Canada that you didn't even realize you were soaking up. It yeah. all just came, right. it all just came out. It was great. And you knew you were coming back. It's not something like, oh, I think I like, I like it here. I'm going to stay here. Well, like, I mean, I would need to I would eventually I would become illegal. If yeah, I did that. exactly. Right. Right. Yeah. So that was fun. That was a fun trip. Was and and how did you get back? Um, I tried to find a boat to take me back and that was when I realized that my getting there had been kind of a fluke. People don't do that. People Ah. do not just hire weirdos who go to the yacht club. (laughs) Um, I think the the couple that brought me over just thought I was cute. You know, they were like, oh my God, isn't that adorable? Let's take her, you know? And then I couldn't find anybody to bring me home. So I ended up having to fly 
flew to South America because I was stubborn. I was like, I'm not going to fly home. That's defeat. So I <laughs> right. flew to like South I America, flew to Argentina and like hitchhiked home from there. You hitchhiked all the way? No, I didn't. Because once I hit, uh, I want to say it was somewhere just past Ecuador. It was like um, Costa Rica. Yeah. Couldn't go into Costa Rica because I didn't have my yellow fever shot. So I had to like fly over all the like yellow fever countries. Mm-hmm. So I had to fly into Dallas. So I didn't go to any of Central America. I couldn't hitchhike through. So I was kind of choked about that. But I was like, I'm not flying home to Winnipeg. I'm flying to Dallas and I'm hitchhiking home from there. But that is pretty <laughs> cool. You hitchhiked across America or uh, I guess vertically. Technically, I hitchhiked across the Atlantic Ocean. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You got <laughs> I, I like to say that I hitchhiked across two continents and one ocean. That's amazing. what I like to say. That's amazing. Like yeah. who can say they, they've done that, you know? Probably a lot more people than you'd think. I met a lot of hitchhikers when I was hitchhiking. You did? Yeah. Oh. And uh, where would you, like, what, it must have been different when going through the States as opposed to, to Europe. Well, once I was going, I think it only took me like three days. Like I, at that point, it was January. It was cold. I couldn't really sleep in ditches anymore. We truck just kind drivers. of blasted through. And these truck drivers, again, it was like that weird sexism where it's like they're not treating you badly because you're a woman, but they're treating you like porcelain because you're a woman. Yeah. So I got a ride with this trucker in Dallas, and then like he would not drop me off until he had found another trucker on the radio to pick me up. So it was like I was in this bucket brigade of, oh, of shit. truckers. Yeah, just like up the. It's considerate. It's considered, but it's, but like, he was like completely, he didn't even try to, he was like, well, I can't have a girl. I can't just leave a girl all alone. I am responsible for you now. And I'm like, well, no, actually I'm 25 years old now and I'm responsible for myself. Like I've been responsible for myself since I was like 18. But I mean, but you know, when a person's giving you a ride, you don't want to start lecturing them about, you know, feminist theory. So you're just like, oh, thanks. It's so nice of you. (laughs) That's part of the reason why I don't hitchhike anymore. Cause now I'm like, no, I don't think I could resist the urge to just put these people in their place and then i would never get any rides so. yeah exactly <laughs> would be yeah. going too far uh wow that's incredible it i always is. was I'm like pretty wow, proud of that and nobody ever wants that. to hear about it i've never hitchhiked in my life i'd always heard horror stories you ever see that degrassi episode where <laughs> wheels <laughs> hitchhikes i don't know oh yeah and the guy wants to like get busy he wants to get busy i mean i had a few situations like that but i never had one where a person would actually force themselves on me like mm-hmm. i had situations where people would just assume that that's what i was gonna do but then when I said no, when push comes to shove. Then I'd be like, no. Why did you think that? They would just get embarrassed. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's that's a good yeah. reaction then. Yeah. Um, and like sometimes in in countries where like we didn't speak much of the same language, like I would get a little bit of like thigh squeezing, and then I'd have to like slap their hand away and be like, that's not no, that's no, not no, what no. kind of hitch. And like I would use the body language, and they again would just get really embarrassed. I remember this one time, this guy like picked me up, did not speak a word of English. I didn't speak a word of I forget even what country it was. Yeah. Um, and he uh, immediately like pulled over and bought me a sandwich. And I was like, oh, thanks. And then he starts like saying things in a really friendly tone in whatever language he would speak was speaking and like just gradually like kind of reaching over and like touching my leg, like like just to kind of punctuate words that he was saying. Oh, I, yeah. I wish I could show the listeners what I'm doing with my hand right now. But you know what I mean? That thing where you go, oh, and you kind of like and then eventually I just had to be like, buddy. And I like raised the sandwich up in like a toast mm-hmm. kind of. And I went, thanks for the sandwich don't touch me like, and made this like motion with my hand like thanks for the sandwich but don't touch me and he right. was like oh and then he just pulled over and dropped me off he did eh he was <laughs> yeah. like well all right but i was like thanks for the sandwich i got the signal i got a lot of sandwiches that way <laughs> just by like letting people make assumptions <laughs> hey girls gotta eat what are you gonna do mm-hmm. All right, we are at the point where we are going to do the Manitoba Money Shot. Yeah. Very excited for this. Um, 
You have, uh, uh, the, no one's won it. I've had, uh, I think, 13 guests now. No one's been able to complete the 500, I keep saying 500, the 100 questions within five minutes. Okay, well. They all need to be answered. you got to okay? talk fast then. It's all on I, you. I, you're right. Okay, <laughs> that is true. I will try to get it out <laughs> as quick as I can okay. and uh, to be understood. <clears throat> Um, but not only that, not only do, you, uh, do I need an answer, 90% of these questions must be correct. So, are you ready to do this? I am ready. You're excited. I am excited. Right, that's good news. Tonight's money shot is... $9.65. And a free flip the lid coupon for a donut at Robbins. Robbins! Fast, fresh, and friendly. All right, Kathy Herbert, are you ready? I am ready. Are you set? I am set. What's your middle name? Anne. Do you like carrots? Yes. Favorite Disney character? Hate Disney. Name a famous mother. Uh, uh, the guy who painted the painting from the Mr. Bean movie, his mother. <laughs> Last brand of cereal you ate? Choco Chimps. Do you like the internet? Yes. Do you not like the internet? No. How many fingers am I holding up? One. Uh, uh, least favorite soup? Beef and barley. Have you seen a movie in a theater in the last year? Yes. Favorite flavor of ice cream? Chocolate. Name a Bob's Burgers character. Louise. Name a power couple. Uh, Benifer. Where do you order pizza from? Little Caesars. How much would you charge an hour for babysitting? 20. Have you played Fortnite? No. Have you been uh, stung by a bee or a wasp? Yes. Are you allergic to bees or... No. Uh, are you allergic to nuts? No. Are you allergic to cats and or dogs? No. What's the name of your first pet? Midnight. Favorite TV show you remember liking? Freakazoid. Name a star. Ar Arcturus. Arcturus. Is it Uranus or Uranus? Uranus. <laughs> Beard, mustache, or goatee? None. Uh, besides your mom, uh, uh, favorite mother? Um, 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 so I put that twice. My friend Jamie's mom. What would you name a horse? Jackson. Kirk or Picard? Picard. Luke or Anakin? Luke. Newton or Einstein? Einstein. Hawkins or Hudson Hawk? Hawkins. <laughs> favorite Winnipeg restaurant? Uh, ooh, e Chuckleberry. Biggest celebrity you've met? Oh, the mighty Boosh. Okay. Biggest celebrity you'd like to meet? Jonathan Frakes. Name the mayor of Winnipeg. Brian Bowman. Name the premier of Manitoba. Ryan Pallister. Name the prime minister of Canada. Justin Trudeau. Name a Transformer character. Starscream. Uh, what's a nickname someone's given you? Half and half. Name a Winnipeg business that no longer exists. Um, Frame mm. Arts Warehouse. Uh, what's your favorite food? Ratatouille. Have you been inside a police car? Yes. Name a song by Hall & Oates. Ah, uh, pass. Do you own wait, a wait, vacuum? Wait, wait. Okay. Um, the, uh, the chocolate, the chocolate express. <laughs> Can't be true. Do you own a vacuum? No. Favorite subject in school? Hated school. Have you been to Brandon? Yes. Uh, have you watched Stranger Things? Yes. Favorite comedian? Uh, me. Oh, good answer. Name a Western movie. Westworld. Okay, how many okay that's not a West. A, a few dollars more. Uh, how many uh, pieces of jewelry are you currently wearing? None. Favorite uh, winter activity? Being inside. Have you ever changed a tire? Yes. Favorite Tom Hanks film? Uh, Joe vs. the Volcano. Name a line from TV Seinfeld. 
These pretzels are making me thirsty. Bingo. Last concert attended. Boston? Really? I think so. Brand of footwear you're currently wearing? None. Do you, you don't... Okay, that's good. Do you buy records? Sometimes. How many times a day do you brush your teeth? Twice. Pretzels or cinnamon bun? Cinnamon bun. Name the capital of Prince Edward Island. Fredericton. Uh, name... No, uh, wait, you, Charlatan. Charlatan? Charlottetown. Bingo. <laughs> <laughs> have you been to Folk Fest? Yes. Name a business at the Forks. Uh, um, the, the, um, the fudge guy, the guy who makes fudge. <laughs> That's a business. Is Tom Green funny? Yes. Favorite salad? Greek. Last movie watched in a theater? <laughs> oh, um, Black Panther? Good. Have you attended the Winnipeg, a Winnipeg Gold Ice game? Yes. Do you like to go camping? Yes. Name a costume you've worn on Halloween. Um, a, a, like a mad scientist with a raccoon tail. Beauty. One, one word that describes you. Cool. Have you water skied? Yes. Are you a fan of curling? No. Have you needed to rely on crutches? Yes. Do you eat bananas? No. Have yes, you, yes, yes, y- yes. I have, yes, I yes, yes. Have you attended a wrestling event? Yes. Favorite chocolate bar, one minute. Mars. Uh, okay, last page. Besides this one, name a podcast. Talking Hanks. Have you ever seen Burton Cummings live? No. Name someone who died in the in the last year. Stanley. Name a Metallica song. Uh, oh, um, that one that's actually an Irish folk song. <laughs> I don't know what that is. <laughs> Favorite place outside Canada? Uh, no, Greece. What movie stars Baby Huey and Jessica, Jessica Rabbit? Uh, who Framed Roger Rabbit. How many syllables in supercalifragilisticexpialidocious? Nah, uh, 14. Good. Na- name a type of dance. The polka. Have you tried pizza at 7-Eleven? Yes. Name a Smurf. Data. Does Pop- Bobby. Does, Papa. Big, <laughs> does Bigfoot exist? Yes. 15 seconds. Of course. A uh, James Franco film. Um, Pineapple Express. Favorite coffee joint? Fourth. Uh, a toy you loved as a kid? Muppets. Name a Barry. Blue. Name a Jerry. Seinfeld. Name a character from Toy Story. Woody. Uh, do you play poker? Yes. Ah, shit. <laughs> <laughs> shit. How close was I? Don't say 99. No, no. No, no, no. No. You were at uh, 94. That was damn good, though. That was damn good. good. Really good. I was like, damn it. I think I repeated a couple questions at the beginning. You know what? I got to tell you. I got to be honest with you. I lied about the crutches one. I was just in a zone. I said, yes, I have relied on crutches. I have not relied on crutches. (laughs) Well, right. Yeah. I've relied on a cane. Yeah, not, not the crutches, same. Not no. the same. <clears throat> what other ones are pretty? Oh, I meant to say, is it Uranus or, or Uranus. Uranus? Uranus. It's Uranus. Because what's his name? Tyson. Uh, he says Uranus. He says Uranus on the, the show I, I watched last night. I know a few night. teachers who said Uranus too, but I think they just said that because they're like, I'm talking to children and I don't want to say Uranus. I don't need to but hear it's the like giggles. Uranus, though. <laughs> like, you're still saying a funny word. I like how you said beard, mustache, goatee. None. <laughs> You know what? That one was a lie too. I, I mean, I don't mind. I don't mind any of those things. I just, I don't know. I don't have any of them. That's what I was thinking. I yeah. was like, "Do you have one of?" And I was like, "No, I have none of those." But in retrospect, I realize you're asking me if I prefer them. Right. Exactly. Um, I like how you backtracked on the Western movie. Who'd you say? Oh yeah, favorite comedian. You. That's brilliant. Brilliant under the pressure there. Um, Kathy, uh, what do you got coming up? What, what's, uh, what's, uh, I know you're doing open mics. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got that show that I'm hosting that I mentioned on January 19th at We Johnny's. That'll mm-hmm. be nine o'clock, probably a $5 cover. Uh, it's an evening of untested material with me, your host, Kathy Herbert, six mm-hmm. comedians, 10 minutes of untested material each. I get the privilege as the host <laughs> of giving, of doing tested material. Very good. And it's very fun. It's audience interactive. We're going to have little judgment cards. 
Oh, they're going to, oh, the audience the, does. Well, because the whole point is you're going to test this material. Very so, good. But it's like 10-minute sets. And, uh, Do you we can, know who the six comedians um, are? I've booked five of them so far. I have a list of them in my phone. <laughs> I can reach it. Um, yeah. uh, Dan Robertson, J.D. Renault, Alyssa Kixon. Um, those are the ones I can remember. Oh, Danielle Keahara and Sasha. Sasha Mark. Uh, Sasha Mark. Sasha Mark. I remembered your last name, Sasha. And then I haven't booked the sixth one yet. So uh, for all you listeners out there, get at her. How can yeah. people get at you? Um, I guess Twitter. Twitter. I'm really trying to up my Twitter. I'm trying to do that I'm leaving Facebook thing. Yeah. So I'm trying to really pump my Twitter. It's at C Herbs with three R's because that was the <laughs> C- handle. Okay. C-H-E-R-R-R-B-S. B-S. Yeah. C-H-E-R-R-R-B-S because that was the closest thing to my name available when I signed up for Twitter. <laughs> Hoping to get verified. (laughs) That's the thing. That's when you know you made it, when you're verified on Twitter. I really just wanted to be Chirbs, but Mm -hmm. instead it was like Chirbs. Chirbs. I guess You can follow me on Instagram, too, if you want. Yeah. The social medias. Follow me on Instagram. Instagram. uh, I think Chirbatum is currently my name. Like verbatim, but Chirbatum. That's pretty clever. C-H-E-R-B-A-T-I-M. Yeah. To me, that screams comedian. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Because there's nothing funnier than... Than repeating words in a specific matter. <laughs> Turbatum. Turbatum. Yeah. And uh, so you have the open mic, you got that show. Anything else? Um, not currently. I mean, oh, you should all watch the new season of Burden of Truth, which uh, premieres in January because I worked on the lights for that. Burden of Truth? I've never heard of this show. Uh, it's on CBC. It's, uh, it's a sh- they shoot it in Winnipeg. Well, they shoot a lot of it in Selkirk, but it's like a fully Manitoba production. Yeah. Um, and it was First season? Um, I was working on the second season. The first season had already aired last year. Yeah. And it's just like a cool lawyer show about like, like, you know, it's like about a lawyer who like has to kind of solve the mystery too. So the first season had its own mystery that kind of wrapped up. And then the second season, which I obviously can't tell you about, right. also has a mystery. <laughs> did you sign a confidential? I did. I did. I signed you an did? NDA. Really? Yeah, yeah. We all have to. Um, but it's like a cool show about. Uh, and it all takes place in Manitoba. It, it takes place like... Oh, I love that. In a small town that doesn't really exist, but it's like, it's a Manitoban small town and they're not pretending it's America or whatever. Right. And like whenever they talk about like, oh, we got to go into the city for something, the city they're talking about is Winnipeg. Like it's not like they're pretending. It's like a neat, it's a show that doesn't like obscure its Manitobanness. Do you work on a lot of productions that come into, into Manitoba? Um, or I just I, I started. Guess in- I just, just started this year. Actually, the first movie I ever worked on, you can watch this too if you want. The first movie I ever worked on is premiering on Lifetime on uh, December 9th. It's mm-hmm. called A Christmas in Tennessee. Aww. And it's a really sweet little film. We shot it out in Stonewall. It's a very cute movie. Caroline Ray is in it. I had no idea. I didn't read the... the I didn't need to read the script. I was a trainee. I was just like l- trying to learn what the names of the equipment was that I was working with. And then one day I'm like fussing around, like plugging in some lights at the beginning of the day. And I hear this like voice. I hear these like high heels clicking on the floor and I hear this voice that I kind of recognize. And I turn around and there's Caroline freaking Ray, like in the same room with me. Yeah. And I'm like, I know I told you I don't really have any influences, but like, and again, I don't really watch a lot of comedy despite being a comedian, but I know that Caroline Ray is like a woman who did stand up comedy in the eighties when it was just I can only imagine what kind of horrible hell shit that was to be a woman, a comedian, when, like, every single joke is like, oh, why won't my wife shut up? Yeah. (laughs) 
and there's Caroline Rain. I'm like, oh my god, you're like you're like a god. Like, and I can't say anything to her because you're not supposed you to. You can't, yeah. Like even on it was a pretty low budget film, but even on a low budget film, you're not supposed to like talk to the stars. So I was just like, all day long, I, I was watching her. I'm gonna just like love watching her performance because it sure. was amazing. Just even from being in the same room watching it, it was crazy. Yeah, I can't even imagine how great it's gonna be when it's like edited. Yeah, it's gonna be great. And what's it called again? A Christmas in Tennessee. A Christmas in Tennessee. So uh, check it out. Check out the lighting. Yeah. That's check out the sweet Kathy. lighting on it's all me, trainee Kathy Herbert. <laughs> For sure. Training on that Christmas movie, lighting those cookies. Kathy, thank you. Thank you, thank you very much for coming by. It's been a real pleasure. And Me too. Uh, I love seeing you on stage. I can't wait to see you again on stage. And uh, yeah, it's been awesome. Thank you. Yeah, it's been great being here. Yeah. And uh, to all you listeners, uh, you take care. We'll hear us. Like, I don't know how to sign off properly on any of this stuff. There'll be music. It's just going to, no, there won't. It's just oh. going to be like dead stop. <laughs> so is there a line that we need or we should put in a dead stop? We need a dead stop line. What could we use? These pretzels pretzels are are making making me thirsty. thirsty.